0: CSN International presents To Every Man and Answer, the live Bible answer program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a question on the Bible or the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. That's 1-8888-ASK-CSN. Now let's get things started. Here's today's host.
1: And hello, everybody. Welcome to To Every Man and Answer. I'm Jeff Wickwire. Sitting in for Mike Kessler today, and I am coming to you from storm-tossed Fort Worth, Texas. Let me assure you, it is really pouring cats and dogs right now. But here we are, ready to have a great show. Looking forward to a lot of great Bible questions coming in. And if you want to give us a call, give us uh, your question, we'd love to answer that question for you. It's 8888-ASK-CSN, 8888-ASK-CSN. And uh, lines are open, so give us a call. And uh, again, I'm Jeff Wickwire, sitting in for Mike Kessler. I'm pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, and a host of our own uh, um, program on CSN called Hardwired, heard at 5 o'clock Central Time on CSN. And with me today is Brad Dacus, the founder and president of Pacific Justice Institute, and Brad, great to have you with us. I always enjoy doing the show with you. And uh, how are things going on your end?
2: Oh, things are going just great. Uh, we at Pacific Justice are uh, working hard. There's a lot of people who have campaigns that will be coming to an end on December the excuse me on uh, November the eighth, uh, Tuesday. Uh, but we at Pacific Justice are moving just as fast, and we'll be moving even faster as we uh, suspect that there'll be a number of. State legislatures that will be moving in the right direction and governorships that will give uh, ES, uh, us even more opportunity to see uh, legislation enacted that will shore up religious freedom, parental rights over their kids and uh, the sanctity of human life. So uh, we're going to have even more to do after this election, but uh, I believe, uh, optimistically.
1: Yeah, you know, this is you know, we say it every time and it's sort of a cliche, but I'll go ahead and say it again. That uh, I believe this election is so pivotal that the future freedoms of America, uh, the freedoms we've always enjoyed as American citizens, freedom of speech, freedom to write, uh, to hold and bear arms, um, to uh, own and bear arms, the uh, freedom to come and go as you please, think as you please, uh, speak what you please. And, you know, also, Brad, I think also the freedom of the pulpit, the freedom of Christians. More and more, we're seeing persecution rear its ugly head in the land of the free and the home of the brave. We never thought we would see this, but we are. And um, so it's pivotal that we vote values. I'm not going to say which party to vote for, but I can easily say vote biblical values. And we always tell people, Brad, and I'm sure you do too, that is any one candidate going to fulfill all the wishes and hopes we have? No. But is any one candidate going to be closer to biblical truth than their opponent? Absolutely, yes. And a lot of times, by a country mile. So we need to take advantage of the vote and do it and vote righteousness, vote values. Brad?
2: Yes. And uh, I agree with you 100%. Uh, Also, I know that oftentimes people will say, yeah, I want to vote values, And I know who to vote for, for president or, you know, when there's a presidential election or, you know, Congress, maybe state legislators, but there's a lot of races I don't know about, like school board, you know, and city council. We just, most people don't know even who their people are, you know, sitting there. So uh, I encourage them to to use, uh, take a look at voter guides that they can really trust and rely upon. I've got some great news to really simplify things. We at Pacific Justice Institute, I uh, have links on our website uh, for all 50 states. They can have access to voter guides, every single state in the union uh, that they can look at uh, when they for candidates with a biblical worldview, the biblical worldview. And they can make, of course, the final decision they wish in, in looking at the voter guides, but it's extremely helpful. I use voter guides myself because there's some things I'm just not, wasn't as familiar with, you know, and I, I there's people that I trust. Who, uh, who put together voter guides, who do the homework. So that's a, that's a wonderful tool. And to get that, they just simply go to, um, pji.org, p for Pacific, j for justice, i for institute.org, or pacificjustice.org will get them there as well.
1: And you know, Brad, you really hit it on the head because if you keep up with the news, you, you've seen there's chaos going on in school board meetings around the country as parents mm-hmm. That's one thing COVID did, as you well know, the, uh, it caused the kids to stay home and the parents were watching, uh, their lessons come in and watching online and they became privy to some of the things their kids were being taught and they went into a state of shock. Uh, a lot of it was pornographic. Uh, it was absolutely anti-Christ stuff, anti-God, um, all kinds of loony gender teaching, um, just nutty stuff and extremely damaging stuff. So parents started showing up at school board meetings where they often were greeted with apathy, with mocking, with uh, ignoring their pleas, with turning their mics off, and even demonizing them where they were called dangerous to the public and they brought the DOJ in and all kinds of incredible just impossible to believe stuff, and yet it did happen. So we saw that all the way down to school boards, if you don't have morally sane, hopefully biblically thinking people on the school board, books get into the schools that are just difficult to comprehend, pro-homosexual, pro-transgender, um, all kinds of stuff, as I know you are very aware of, Brad.
2: Oh, that's very true, and of course... Lest we ever forget what the teachers union tried to do in uh, having the Department of Justice, uh, you know, notify the FBI to uh, be be leery and in, uh, in and uh, scoping out domestic terrorists that yeah. is parents at school board meetings who are domestic terrorists.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, you
2: talk about intimidation. I haven't seen a parent in my life at a school board meeting. Who would in any way qualify as a domestic terrorist, but it was no. a cheap uh, attempt to intimidate parents across America. I think parents got the word, and they're going to respond to that on November eighth at the election at the polling place.
1: I, I believe it set off alarm bells all over the country. I watched a couple of YouTube events going on to school boards where you know parents were thrown to the ground, handcuffed, walked out uh, to a police car for standing up just just. Super terrified over what have been being taught their children. I just and it is it's hard to believe. But anyway, folks, um, much is at stake with the election that is coming up in just a few days. And I strongly encourage you, Brad, with me, that you take the time and the trouble. You got to stand in a long line. It's worth your freedom. It's worth yes. your ability to come and go as you please, believe what you want, and say what you want without being handcuffed and taken away for it and um, disenfranchised by society. So, again, if you've got a Bible question for us today, give us a call at 8888-ASK-CSN, and we will get uh, the question answered as well as we possibly can. Anything you want to say, Brad, before we go to the calls?
2: Well, yeah, I just want to encourage, like you said, encourage people to vote. Uh, we at Pacific Justice Institute worked with over 500 churches Uh, to uh, have them uh, uh, do voter registration Sundays. Uh, We have over 15,000 new registered voters because of that campaign. Uh, We have about 45, uh, last I checked, uh, parents running for school boards across the nation. Excellent. And and there's uh, many more that were recruited outside our ranks. So uh, we're very um, encouraged that we're going to have people – Vote as unto the Lord. People sometimes wonder. Also, Pastor Jeff will say, "Well, you know, why should I vote? You know, is that is that's how, that how we're going to save America?" And I agree. It's as you know, what if we in the long term, if we want to change America, we need to change hearts, and that only comes through people coming to know Jesus and becoming a disciple of of, of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's exactly um, right. And, and we we get that, but voting is about being a good citizen. Romans thirteen commands us to be good citizens um uh, but also it's about our testimony and this is really important because uh you know if a church is truly filled with the love of Jesus they're going to care about people outside their church walls we can't help it and if we truly care um i believe we're going to vote um it's it's a it's a manifestation of the fact that we care about the preborn about others um in, in our society so uh, and it's it, so and if we don't think people are watching don't worry the secular society uh, the secular politicians and po- political people, um, they're watching to see if Christians vote and whether or not to take us seriously and whether or mm-hmm. not to even listen to us. And and they listen to us, they take us seriously and when we show that we care, that we that our, our love is real and that we vote. So it's really important for people to vote. And once again, if they want to uh, get information uh, about the, the voter guides in all 50 states, it's, they're customized, it's... Easy. I really encourage them to do this and to pass this on to others. Just go to pji.org, p for Pacific, j for Justice, i for Institute.org, or pacificjustice.org.
1: You know, before we go to the calls, Brad, um, people say, well, Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. And, you know, that's just so completely off. Uh, I don't know why they say that, because what are you doing? You're pulling the lever. For a biblical value and didn't Christ tell us to stand for truth to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth? Well that means influence. There's no way you can be light and salt unless you are exercising influence. We are called to be influential for Christ and you know I dug up something uh, that Charles Finney, the great 19th century uh, revivalist and evangelist who really shook America in his day, and uh, here's what he said about voting way back in the late 1800s, quote, Christians must vote for honest men and take consistent ground in politics. God cannot sustain this free and blessed country. Listen to this. I'm going to repeat that. God cannot sustain this free and blessed country, which we love and pray for unless the church will take ground. Christians and citizens must do their duty to the country as part of their duty to God. Charles Finney.
2: Yes, i I think that's well said. And I know we uh, we often sort of look over it, but there's so many examples in the Bible where God used people uh, to be an influence upon government, upon the state. There's a, you know Esther is a classic example. Mm. Uh, the, Daniel uh, was definitely a major influence. Uh, on, uh, even, you know, prophets like, you know, Jeremiah. Um, and then we have, mm-hmm. uh, Moses, uh, with, with Pharaoh. We have the apostle Paul, uh, laying claim to his rights of due process and, and his, Bera. uh, a right to appeal to Caesar and to make his case. Uh, you know, I, I, before Caesar, I think there's just uh, the bottom line. God wants to be a salt and light in, in all that we do for his glory. And, uh, that includes. Being responsible also to, to who we vote for, but also I want to make one more point before we move on, and that is also dealing with propositions in California right now. The first proposition on the ballot, Prop One, is to institute abortion in our state constitution in California, so that someone can have an abortion all the way up before the moment the baby is born, and can kill their preborn baby for any reason that they don't like the gender. You know, they don't feel like it, whatever. An abomination. It is an abomination. We already passed a legislation for infanticide in California, uh, kidnapping protection bill to protect kidnappers who take kids from other states and families. But this would make it, put it in the state constitution so that even if we had a responsible, loving, pro-life future governor and legislature, they'd be bound. and wouldn't be able to pass anything in any way, reasonable to uh, protect the preborn because of this amendment to the state constitution. I strongly implore people, if, if, especially in California, and to, to look at this proposition and vote against Proposition 1. And then if you're in another state, um, when you go through those propositions, pray about it and say, what would the Lord want me to do? If Jesus was standing next to me, um, you know, we, I, I shouldn't vote in terms of what's in my personal interest I should vote to please the Lord. What would Jesus want me to do? And uh, to bring him into the voting process, I think is very helpful.
1: You know, it's true. And, you know, we could go on all through this program about this. It's, I just can't comprehend somebody that wouldn't go pull the lever to stop, for instance, a, just an abominable, pagan, horrible bill like that. Right. Uh, You know, those children suffer. We could go into what all happens when, That abortion takes place, but you're sacrificing a child on the altar of the way you want to live, often more times than not, your own convenience. It's just an abortion for convenience. You don't want to be hassled with a child. But uh, anyway, folks, go vote. Make your voice heard. Take a stand for truth. Be a champion for the truth. Stand up tall for truth and don't be ashamed of it. Don't be embarrassed to take a stand for biblical truth because there is a God who's watching us and this country. All right, let's go to Jefferson in Lamar, Colorado. Hello, Jefferson. What, how can uh, we help today? To, uh,
3: you, uh, well, I have a prayer request, but it is important to vote because the local authorities can uh, lock you out. The government can lock you out from being able to witness to other people. So while we still have some freedom, you need to be doing that and uh they can uh they they can secretly come into your home and check you out and uh whatever weakness they find in your life they can keep you from being able to witness but uh exactly. my prayer request is that my mom surely has uh uh not been able to go to the, go, go number two for over a week now and she's in the er now and she really needs prayer
1: oh all right brad can you please pray
3: yeah absolutely
2: father um Father, you know what she's going through right now. Father, we first, we, we pray for, um, for the medical condition, Lord God, that you will, uh, grant, um, you know, healing in the situation and, uh, of course, a release of that, what's, that's building up and that's, can be extremely painful, Lord, and also damaging. And so we pray for that, Father, and also for your peace upon her, uh, give wisdom to the doctors. And, um, and, uh, we just uh, pray, Father, for you to be glorified. In this whole situation that just, uh, seems so, so, uh, serious, uh, we pray for your healing and your, your work, but we pray also for you to be glorified. And, uh, mm-hmm. and if she knows you, Father, I pray that she'll be a, a witness and a light, uh, to those around her, Father, in this situation as well. We give you, um, all the glory for what you're going to do. Thank you for hearing our prayer, uh, right now and and the privilege to come before you right now through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.
1: All right, Jefferson, I hope that helps. And um our prayers are going up for your mom. And thank you so much for calling from Colorado. And let's go now to Jerry in Cedar City, Utah. Hello, Jerry. How can we help?
4: Hi, pastors. Um, I'm on my third marriage. My first wife, I was with her 14 years. She ran off with my best friend my second wife I was with her 10 years she moved in with a guy and he ended up killing her with all my kids in the house Mm. and now I'm on number three I've been with her for 17 years and she had a head injury probably 30 years ago and it's starting to affect her and she has Mm. seizures and when she has seizures she loses her mind. She runs up and down the street looking for Jesus and and trying to break into people's houses.
1: Bless her heart. Well, well, Jerry, this
4: happened to me. Excuse me.
1: I was just going to say, Jerry, we we want to pray for her because you know you're. It's like somebody that's um, married to a person with Alzheimer's, for instance. Nancy Reagan uh, called it the long goodbye. And it is that 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 situation where your loved one, the one you used to know, the one that you married, uh, just begins to slowly but surely slip away due to a, a mental issue. And it is—it's a long goodbye. It's not sudden. It's very difficult. And uh, while your wife doesn't have Alzheimer's, it sounds like she's got something that, um, because of this accident, that is causing a slow but steady separation as far as relationally um, and a change in her personality. So at a time like this, we need grace. You know, one of my favorite verses is, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Notice that it calls God's throne a throne of grace. Not judgment, not anger, not meanness, not apathy, but grace. And then he says that we might obtain mercy and find the grace to help us in the hour of need that's i cherish that verse and that's hebrews 4:16 and um you know that's what we need right here jerry in times like this sometimes we don't even know what to pray so we pray for mercy i do so many times when i'm just nonplussed with something and don't quite know how to put it into words to god i just pray for mercy And for the grace to strengthen me, to give me wisdom, patience, uh, Christ-likeness in the hour of need. You know, there is that special hour of need, that time when we have a need more than at other times. It's It's the hour of need, intense need, tribulation, heavy-duty trial kind of need. And so, is it okay, Jerry, if we just pray for you and pray for her?
4: Well, let me, let me finish telling you what's going on. Okay. I was at work. She had a seizure trying to get into the neighbor's house. The police called me, and I called a friend. I asked him to go rescue my wife before they <clears throat> hauled her to jail. Well, this friend just inherited it a half a million dollars. I live in Utah. My youngest daughter moved to Florida. So my wife wanted to go see her daughter. Well, he bought plane tickets for the two of them to go out there. They came back to Utah for the weekend. He bought a place in the same park that my daughter lives in and they've been out there for almost a year now. And my question is, can I sue him for alienation of affection? Because every time I turn on the radio, I hear, you gotta learn to forgive. You gotta learn to forgive. You gotta learn to forgive. And I feel like, I I honestly feel like if we are the bride of Christ, I don't want nothing to do with marriage ever again, whether it's with Christ or whoever. I'm just that sick and tired of going to work 10, 12, 14 hours a day to get everything taken away from me. Yeah,
1: that's, I'm sorry, Jerry. That's, that's tough. That's beyond tough. I can't put myself in your shoes fully. Uh, but since you're asking a legal question and you're in Utah, Brad, do you have any input about the alienation of affection issue?
2: Yeah, I'm not an, I'm not an expert in, in family law. Um, uh, you know it's uh, she's apparently she's living with this man shacking up with him um you know i i i know of nothing legally that comes to my mind alienation of, of affection i'm not sure uh how that could possibly uh apply but i'm not a i'm not a uh, an attorney a family law attorney that uh, has ever handled a, a matter dealing with that um that argument and uh, and how it actually uh, plays out so i wish i wish i could help you on that uh, I'm very very sorry to to uh, to hear uh, of that situation, and uh, uh, yeah, I assume you're you're not divorced yet. She's just with this other man for the last year, living with him, uh, presumably in a yes. intimate way. Yes. Yeah, I'm yeah I'm uh, so sorry about that. I would talk to a family law attorney, and uh, and go go from there. Uh, but I, that's uh, that's uh, she's been there for over a year, I guess. So uh, you're in. Uh, you said you're in Utah, is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I would. I would start with a, a, a an attorney there in Utah, a family law attorney, and and find out where where to go from there. I, I'm so sorry to hear of your situation. I just want to remind you of it, though is that, um, you know, you seem like you gave three examples where, you know, to no fault of yours, you had spouses that. Passed away or, or left you. And, um, you know, I, God, God here, you know, He, He knows your pain better than you know it. And, uh, I can't, I've never, I've not been through that. Um, but, um, you know, the Lord, even though we're, when, when things seem unjust, um, He sees it all. He knows it all. And, um, uh, and, uh, He, uh, He knows what you're going through and He, uh, just, don't let this rattle your faith. Let it strengthen your faith as you cling to him uh, in this time of uh, you know, of frustration. Um, it's, it's wrong. What's happened is, is clearly wrong. And uh, you don't want to let that turn into bitterness where it can really destroy you. Um, and um, yeah. so anyway, that's just my, I think, my I think, encouragement.
1: Yeah. I think, Jerry, one of the hardest things to deal with is betrayal. There's no question. Yeah, I've been betrayed in the past uh in a, in big ways and it was really it came down to am I going to let what these people did ruin my future in God? I had to it, it really came down to it's either them or me. I'm either going to let them control my life for the rest of my life through anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, whatever or I'm going to forgive them, which is the the most powerful thing I can do. I know you mentioned hearing about forgiveness a lot. However, uh, there have been times I forgave people for purely selfish reasons, I'll tell you, so that I could be free, so that I would not be hindered in being able to follow God and fulfill his purpose for my life. So I forgave them for my own sake, because Jesus did clearly say if we don't forgive we won't be forgiven. It was a very hard saying, but he stressed the importance of forgiveness, I think because Jesus understood how forgiveness can put you in a cage the rest of your life. And, um, you know, betrayal is a hard one. You've had some really hard betrayals in your life. But here's the question. Are any of those people worth your future in God? Whatever God has for you. And he's not finished with you or you wouldn't be on the phone right now. So think about that. And I want to pray for you before we get to our break. And I want to just ask the Lord to strengthen you, Jerry, because, again, I don't have words uh, uh, as far as being able to fully understand. But, Lord, we pray for Jerry. Bless him and help him. Strengthen him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, folks, we're coming up on the break right now. And uh, stay tuned. We'll get right back to Gail, Ellen, Steve, and Jack. And uh, maybe say goodbye to Jerry. So be-
3: CSN International. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a health care plan that isn't affordable or you simply just don't like how it works, well, right now, during open enrollment, is a perfect time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more... They like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the industry. That's double. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for 30 years. It's shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. And here's why now is the perfect time to make the switch. If you join MediShare Complete by January 1st, they will waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off your first year. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month for all of next year. But again, it's a limited time offer. So yeah, you're not stuck. You've got a great option. Call now. 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. I believe that where God guides, God provides. I've always believed that. Yes, it takes money to keep CSN on the air,
1: though not a Bible verse, but it does say he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Now, I thank God for every single person that contributes to CSN, whether they be a tower keeper, whether they support the programming that we have on CSN. Without all of you doing that, we can't exist. I talk to people every week who have been changed by listening to the radio. We're all in this together.
0: If you feel CSN has been a blessing to you, Would you consider becoming a financial partner with our ministry? You can make a tax-deductible year-end donation by calling 1-800-357-4226 or you can go online to csnradio.com and click on the Donate button at the top of the page. We'd like to thank you for listening and supporting CSN, where God's Word is heard.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to, to every man and answer. I'm Jeff Wickwire sitting in for Mike Kessler and I'm the pastor of Turning Point Church in the great city of Fort Worth, Texas, where we have been getting deluged with a major, major storm, but we made it to the studio. Here we are. And with me is Brad Dacus, the uh, founder and president of Pacific Justice Institute, doing great legal work all around the United States of America. And I know they've been growing like a weed. And uh, just uh, how many how many places now, Brad? Do you folks have headquarters? Uh,
2: we have um, twenty seven offices in uh, twenty states uh, across the nation. So uh, we've got Amazing. the biggest, the largest footprint of its kind for a major ground game, if you will. So that's uh, our goal is so that Satan has no place to go for legal vacation anywhere in the country and that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) so
1: I like that yeah and and just just for fun how many did you have two years ago
2: two years ago um, half that number probably yeah it's just galloping
1: and that's because we're we're in such a battle in the United States of America spiritual battle philosophical battle theological battle moral battle it's just uh, unbelievable So Brad, I'm I'm so thankful for organizations like Pacific justice Institute, because, uh, I know that some major cases are being won and Christians are being, um, uh, stood up for and stood alongside by your organization and given victories in court that they would never have had. If not, thank you, Brad, for the great work that you guys are doing.
2: Yeah. God's been gracious. And, uh, we, uh, by His grace, and the uh, continued support of people out there who feel called to support us, we're going to continue that work. The good news is we've got a great Supreme Court, thanks to uh, the, the appointments by President Trump, extremely great Supreme Court and, and federal circuit court judges. We now have uh, over 115 cases in actual litigation. We have many, many more that we're actually in the process of actually just helping. Uh, so it's uh, it's an exciting time and. I also want to encourage people to uh, support CSN uh, radio. We saw the commercial uh, during the break, but uh, I just want to remind people that uh, it's it really is having a big impact. It's on over 400 stations and transmitters, I believe, all across the nation. Uh, so its uh, it's, it's, it's voice is heard, and we at Pacific Justice are very grateful for our opportunity to be able to uh, get out the information that we think is important to Help people defend their freedoms and liberties, and it's uh, it's because of CSN we're able to reach so many uh, as we uh, as as we move forward.
1: Amen. So true. All right, we're going to go to Jack in Fresno, California. Speaking of California, and how can we help you today, Jack?
4: Hello, how are you doing? Uh, can you hear me Good.
1: well? Can hear you well.
4: Okay. Uh, all right. Thank you so much for answering my call, and I appreciate. Uh, all the feedback that you guys give on the daily. And Mike question is out of the book of Hebrews, uh, the sixth chapter, verses one and two, talk about the principles of the doctrine, or uh, the principles of God. Uh, if you can elaborate on those two verses, i appreciate it.
1: Sure. Uh, it reads... This is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance. Now, he's about to list six uh, foundational beliefs of the Christian faith. So, here they are. Repentance from dead works. Faith toward God. The doctrine of baptisms. Laying out of hands. Resurrection of the dead. And eternal judgment. Now, We've got to keep in mind here that the book of Hebrews was written to, yes, Jewish people, the Hebrews, and what the writer is dealing with is um, what we call Judaizers had infiltrated the early church. Paul battled them more than almost any of the apostles. The book of Galatians is a result uh, largely of this battle with the Judaizers, who said that you had to mix Old Testament Mosaic law with grace and faith in Christ in order to be saved. In other words, you couldn't just be saved by placing faith in Christ. You had to obey Moses' laws. And it was a constant battle uh, between uh, Paul and the apostles who were preaching uh, salvation by grace through faith, alone, nothing else added, and the Judaizers who were following along behind them from town to town, uh, preaching that, no, you had to mix it with Mosaic law circumcision and all the different things that uh, Moses taught, particularly circumcision, or you could not be saved. So the writer is assuring these Jewish Christians, he's, he's saying to them, look, let's don't be forced to go back to the basics. You know the foundation stones of the faith. You know the basic stuff. Let's don't go back to it, but let's go on, because we don't want to have to keep returning to the ABCs, we want to go on into maturity, but these Judaizers keep affecting you and persuading you and uh, influencing you. And so I'm encouraging you, says the writer of Hebrews, who I believe was Paul, um, let's go on. And notice he says, let's go on to perfection. That means maturity. If God permits, in other words, God will permit us to go to maturity if we can move on from the basics of the faith. So it was a constant struggle back then, and just like now, there are things that genuine Bible teachers are constantly trying to counteract that have entered the culture that are false teachings, false doctrines, cult teachings, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, New Age, mysticism, all kinds of things that we now, in in our day, are having to do battle with like they did with, the Old Testament, uh, Judaism, trying to insert itself on New Testament Christianity. Uh, Brad, any thoughts from you?
2: Yeah, I think you did a a great job explaining that. And, um, yeah, I agree. You know, even even today, it's just a part of human nature to try to add on to God's grace through faith in Christ to, um, you know, just different nuances. Uh, It can be, you know, religious. It can be cultural. Uh, and yet, that's why we have to get back to the Word and the Scriptures. And uh, I also love uh, I love Galatians and the language of Galatians, the Book of Galatians, uh, for those who are uh, struggling with you know things that they they feel they've got to do in addition to uh, putting their their faith completely in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Um, these struggles are still continuing. It's part of human nature to to uh, somehow not put our full faith in what someone's done for us, what Jesus Christ did on the cross, uh, to try to add on and somehow um, take pride in somehow what we've done to earn salvation or to uh, to be better than someone else. But bottom line, we're all equally in need of God's grace, His forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, He's mm-hmm. the only one and the only way we can have that forgiveness and complete restoration and uh, with a relationship with the Lord.
1: Exactly. And, uh, you know, I think of Galatians 5, verse 1, where he says, stand fast in the liberty, wherewith Christ has made you free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. The yoke of bondage uh, that Paul is talking about there is the old mosaic system. Uh, but I believe that verse applies to a lot of other things for us Christians today as well. Whatever held you in bondage before Christ don't ever let it hold you in bondage again. That's the thought. But I hope that helps, Jack. Uh,
4: are you there? Would you say those? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. I was just wondering: yes. is is that the fundamentals of faith? Those six principles. Is that yes? One, uh, or or we just go by the grace?
1: Yeah. Truth. Those are those. Those are the six of the foundational stones of the Christian life. And uh, that's what you call doctrine, and doctrine simply means teaching. And so what you're reading there is six things that ought to be foundationally understood by every Christian uh, to be able to go on into the, the deeper, more mature things of God. And so it's very important we get those down. And so, yes, yeah, Steve, you're right. That is exactly what it is. And so every believer listening, we all ought to understand them. Maybe you would like to give it a quick uh, perusal in your own Bible. Read them and say, okay, do I understand these six things? Very important we do so. So, Steve, or rather Jack, I hope that helps.
4: Okay. Thank you very much. It does.
1: Thank you there. And thank you in Fresno, California. Don't forget, vote against Proposition 1. Right, Brad? That's right. Vote against Proposition 1. That's um, the pro-abortion
2: proposition.
1: Thank you, Jack. Stay on the line. We'll get you a couple of CDs and books for calling in. And let's go now to Steve in Las Vegas, Nevada.
3: Steve, how can we help? Hey, guys. Almost got me convinced to vote. Almost got me convinced to vote. We'll become fully persuaded. (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) Almost, so. But so I have a question about the rapture. There's uh I've heard certain teachings on this radio station and uh in many churches and it is um many different denominations and it's about the rapture and the uh belief that um we'll be uh we're gonna be raptured um before the the final antichrist is revealed. Right. So without the uh Without going into the standard rapture verses, I was going to focus on 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, where it says okay. it warns against deception and saying that there will not be any kind of, uh, that the body of Christ will know um, who the man of sin is, the son of perdition, in verse 3.
1: Let me read it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let nobody deceive you by any means, for that day will not come. Now, quick context. Paul is talking to people who were upset and rattled because there were teachers moving around the early church that had been teaching that the day of the Lord had already happened, that that Christ had already come. So Paul is assuring them in, in several different ways that that's not true. So he's talking to a sort of a rattled, shaken up church a bit. And um, so that's the context of verse 3 here. Let nobody deceive you by any means for that day, capital D, talking about the return of Christ, uh, will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or his worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, which is Paul describing the abomination of desolation that will happen during the tribulation period. Now, you mentioned, uh, Steve, that verse 3 says the church will know who he is. I don't think verse 3 is saying that. Again, let nobody deceive you by any means, for that day the return of Christ will not come until the falling away or apostasy comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. So you have an order of events here. First, you have an apostasy. You know, a lot of people talk about a last day's revival. They talk about, uh, wow, we're going to see the greatest revival the world has ever seen. It's going to go coast to coast. Uh, we're going to see God move in a way that's never happened. It's going to be the best of the best. I'm not saying there can't be a revival and there can't be another awakening, so please don't understand me. But I cannot escape the constant message in the Word and several key passages throughout the New Testament that before the return of Christ, there's going to be a great apostasy, a falling away, a denouncing of the faith. When we talk about apostasy, we're not talking about backsliding. Apostasy and backsliding are different. A backslider is somebody that gets caught up in some kind of moral transgression or some kind of a habit, something that that draws them into the flesh, and they get trapped. They get trapped in something that is definitely wrong, but they repent. They're, they're They're in their hearts. They know it's wrong. They don't denounce Christ. They don't say, I want nothing to do with Jesus anymore. They don't say, I renounce my faith. They don't say, I don't believe anymore. Backsliders are living in some kind of compromise. The apostate is somebody who has indeed renounced Christ. They come out and they say, nothing more to do with him. I don't want anything to do with the Bible. I don't believe in him. I don't want him. He's false. He's fake. It's not real. I denounce it. That's an apostate. That's what Paul says is going to happen in the last days. A falling away, a a large, widespread apostasy. That happens first. That precedes the revelation of the man of sin. It's singular. It's talking about a male, a person who is the official Antichrist, Antichristos. That O-S at the end is a male ending. It's singular. There's going to be an actual male man who is going to be the final ultimate Antichrist working with the false prophet and all that's spoken of in Revelation. So, uh, he won't be revealed until that apostasy happens and uh, the Lord has returned. I don't believe the Antichrist, and I believe the scripture is clear on this, will step onto the world stage until Christ has come and taking his church away. Because the church would ID him. The church would expose him. And the church would um, diminish his effect. So the, the church has to be gone. And I believe that's what Paul is talking about when he says, He who restrains will restrain until he is taken out of the way. The he, to me, is the church can't be the holy spirit because he's not taken out of the way. He's active throughout the tribulation. It's the church. And when he is taken out of the way, then the antichrist will be able to step on the scene. Your thoughts, Brad.
2: Yeah, and um I, I believe that it it uh, it also makes sense because uh when the church is taken out, you know, just picture this. Suddenly all these people vanish. They're gone. Um I can easily see the great deceiver. See Satan using this uh, as a as a technique to to say, "Oh, see, we're we're under attack. We've you know UFOs. You know, uh, you know, we need to unite." Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. and people, with in desperation and confusion, uh, you know, giving into the deceptions of the Antichrist. Um, and a part of that's my own speculation, which is can be dangerous, but. Um I think it I think it flows well and makes makes a lot of sense. Um but um uh, yeah I I agree with I agree with your yeah. interpretation.
1: The disappearance of the church will leave a huge spiritual vacuum. A vacuum into which I think the antichrist will step. He'll step onto the world stage when there is such chaos, such turmoil, such international dismay. He will step on the stage as a uh, a uh, comforter. Uh you know, a uh, one who brings uh, encouragement and consolation and um uh, hope and all of the things he will be. Don't forget anti Christos, anti Christ, not just opposed to Christ, but a fake Christ, a counterfeit Christ. Right. So, Steve, I hope
3: that helps. <laughs> Are you yeah. there, Steve? Well, yeah, I disagree, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I don't. I think it's more simple than that, but um, well, I give us your it, thought. Well, I think that it's very. I think it's simply. You said a whole lot there, and but I think it's just so simple, and I think the other the other standard verses support it. And if you go to, maybe I would ask this question. Then I would say. Um, in regards to verse 3, when it's saying uh, it's giving us a timeline and God would—why would God want to have to fill some vacuum all of a sudden? What, and, of course, he's proper—he's he's planned all this beforehand, but I think he's giving us uh, a timeline clearly. And I think that if you go down to verse 4 even, what kind of—the the error to me that, that gets— um, uh, amplified as these verses together with the other standard verses is we're being taught of another temple. I hear preachers saying all the time, the temple of the God, the temple of the living God is us. We're the, we're the buildings made by God, right? Cut without a stone. So if each of us is the temple of God and God desires to live in the temples, that is us, then he would seal us, which we see in scriptures, um, I think before um, the mark of the beast, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter because he would be always p- preparing to seal us. So I, I, without that, without saying of when the sealing would be, um, there's a focus on uh, Israel as this place instead of a people, and the temple. Sure, there there'll be a physical temple, and they're going to do this temple. Sure, a physical, all that stuff, but spiritually speaking. The temple is is us and um if god wants to dwell and sit in us then the counterfeit would be that satan himself would sit in the temples of god in the in the in the bodies that god intended for himself that when he wanted to dwell in and would be sealed and they would take their place in the holy of holies the hearts of men that's that's what i believe that that satan would dwell where god Mm. desires to dwell in the hearts of men in their in their strength in their mind in their right arm Um, and those with the arm of of God, which is Christ, they would be sealed, uh, with God's mark, a spiritual. Okay.
1: Let me, let me step in real quick. Uh, we are sealed. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Ephesians, unto the day of redemption, we are sealed. And so we are inhabited as we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There will, yes be a rebuilt temple in the land of Israel in Jerusalem, and uh, that is simply Old Testament and New Testament prophecy. You cannot remove the Holy Land from prophecy, future end times prophecy, because it is pivotal. As a matter of fact, Israel is God's timepiece. You keep your eye on Israel, study Israel, pay attention to what's going on there, because that is God's timepiece. The The end of things will happen there Christ will return and land on the Mount of Olives according to Zechariah according to the book of Acts uh, the very place that he went back to heaven from which was Mount of Olives the angel said he'll return to now the timing again you said go to verse four but in verse seven and then we'll we'll just we'll wrap this this topic up but in verse seven, He says the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. That right there is clear as a bell that the Antichrist will not be revealed until the restrainer is taken out of the way. There's only one restrainer on earth, and that is the Holy Spirit in the Bride of Christ, in the church. And when the Bride of Christ is taken out, a huge restraining influence will go with her. And then the lawless one will be revealed. So, Steve, I hope that helps. It's it's deep water, but it's really, if you read the rest of uh, the chapter, Second Thessalonians 2, Paul makes the timing of these things very clear, but great call. Great question, Steve. Thank you so much for uh, returning after you left for a little while there. I'm glad you came back. So uh, Steve, stay on the line. We'll get a couple of CDs, a couple of books to you for calling in. And you be blessed there in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now we go to Hector in Reno, Carson City, Nevada. We've got some calls from Nevada today. Hello, Hector.
4: Hello pastors, thank you for taking my call. So I, I have a question. Not- um I had a, I was having a conversation with a pastor the other day in regards to you know the the Israelites or the Jewish people actually um he was saying that um all the all the Jewish people will go to heaven just for being Jew. But I have found mm-hmm. in the scripture that, you know, the Bible says that there there is neither a Jew or Gentile, um, but we all the same in God, when we accept Jesus. So what What do you have to say about that?
1: Well, Paul takes care of this in Romans more than any other place. You know, he first deals with the Gentile world in Romans 1. And I think Romans 1 is like reading today's paper. It's just an amazing, an amazing uh, work. I, I think it's one of the most profound chapters in the entire Bible. But he's dealing with the Gentiles there uh, showing that all Gentiles are under the judgment of God, are under sin, are sinners, and uh, are going to be damned to eternity without God unless they repent. And Paul is very clear. That's Romans 1. Now you get into Romans 2, and the next couple of chapters, he's dealing with his own people, the Jewish people. And he says this, there is no partiality with God. And backing up to chapter 2, verse 8, um, he says to those who are self-seeking and don't obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. And wow, our time is up. I can't believe the hour is already by uh, Brad, thank you so much for being with us. And our prayers are for you and Pacific Justice Institute. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time on To Every Man and Answer. Have a blessed day and remember to vote.
0: To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226. Or write us to Everyman and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Everyman and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash tema. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station.